If you caught my video the other day about 30 red flags, I want to talk to you today about 30 signs of strength. And they're specifically talking about survivors. Like, what are the signs of actual survivors? Like, how do they look? How do they transform? And what are these signs that we see? Well, those signs that maybe once became devalued by the narcissist and, and turned down and, and abused and everything like that become areas of strength become areas that they start realizing and acknowledging, hey, this is something that I'm changing my perspective. I'm changing my life to make sure that this has a priority. So we're going to read through 30 different signs of strength from the book Psychopath Free. If you haven't had a chance to be able to check this out, this is a very good book to have to be able to help you through the healing process. I try to work with people every single day to work them through and help them go through the healing process. And oftentimes that looks like an aspect of dealing with the trauma bond helping to break down that concept and that thought of, I know this relationship's toxic, but I still feel that pull. I still wanna be with them. I still wanna see them, hug them, whatever it might be. And we have to kind of break it down piece by piece of their emotions, their feelings, the thought that's kind of underneath, and then what's the story that they're telling themselves. And as we break that down, we're able to put that to truth and say, what is the truth about the situation? What are the facts? How do they actually apply here? And when they acknowledge that, they're able to start to see the truth of the situation. And the truth is what sets people free on a day-to-day -day basis. I work with people with the trauma bond. I work them through like detoxing from the narcissist where it feels crazy, where it feels like maybe it's my fault. Like maybe I'm the narcissist. Maybe I'm the person that caused all this. There's a lot of self-doubt there of what's actually going on. And a lot of times people want to go back and they slide back into the trauma bond. And then I work people through that to the idea of, hey, as we move forward, we're dealing with our vision, with our values, and getting clarity about what the future is going to hold. That might be setting boundaries in their lives so they don't go back to the narcissist, or that might be establishing boundaries for themselves so that they don't fall into another relationship that ultimately is toxic. We're trying to provide different resources and different tools to be able to help people every single day. So part of that is by producing content so that people can learn about narcissism and have that awareness, have an opportunity to grow, heal, and change have the content that gets produced. We do lives every week. So I do Thursday night lives from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern time. Wednesdays right now, I'm meeting with uh, Lee Mental Healness on either his channel or my channel on YouTube to be able to just have a question and answer time. Wednesdays from 9 to 10, to 10 p.m. Also, we have the NARC app. In the NARC app, we do lives as well every Monday and also some exclusive events that are a Zoom-based event that happens once a month. With the NARC app, it has the opportunity for you to learn about narcissism, for you to see different courses on how to develop boundaries, like what is gaslighting, like the guilt that, that happens after narcissistic abuse, all these different type of things to help you understand you're not crazy. It's also a great tool to be able to connect with other survivors, other people that have been through the same thing that you have, and be able to find that healing, growth, and change so that you understand you're also not alone. People on there are able to track their no contact, record their truth, and ultimately engage with a community that's willing to help lift you up and help you feel like you're not alone, you're not crazy, and you can find healing after that abuse. What's that look like, the healing after abuse? What we've talked about in multiple, multiple YouTubes and multiple sessions has been about that healing process. How long does it take to heal? Well, one of the things I want to talk to you today was 30 signs of strength, and it's coming out of this book, Psychopath Free. 30 signs of strength. So let's dive in. Actions over words. Healthy, humble individuals do not constantly talk about the good things they've done because it would be arrogant and uncomfortable. Instead, they prove it through their actions. 
survivors take a lot of these attributes and a lot of these concepts that we're going to hear here here and they become very strong very inept in it another aspect is a strong moral compass survivors start to develop a strong moral compass when they start to realize that there's people out in the world that ultimately seek and destroy that ultimately come into your life for the sole purpose of it just being about them and not about anything else number three take responsibility for their actions Instead of blaming others for their problems, they tend to take full responsibility. They're not looking for excuses or scapegoat. A survivor knows I have to take responsibility for my actions in order to grow. That's that aspect of honesty and uh, vulnerability to be able to learn where they're at so they can learn where they need to go. Gentle and compassionate. A lot of times I see with survivors, they have gentleness and compassion, especially for other people out there who have been through the same pile of shit, that have been through the same thing that they have to be able to say, hey, I understand what you're going through. Let me help you on that journey. Number five is apologize when the situation calls for it. Exact opposite of the narcissist, right? So a uh, a person that's been through that, a survivor knows that, hey, apologies are very helpful. They're very important. Because the narcissist doesn't do that. So they're not only looking for people that actually apologize, but they're trying to exemplify that in their own life. It's a sign of strength of being able to say, I was wrong. Will you please forgive me? And changing the actions. Idealistic, romantic, and imaginative. A lot of times you have people that they get out of these relationships and they start to find their power. They start to find their self-confidence and their joy. And they're able to actually tap into what was life like? What is life without this person? And the results can be really amazing and really unimaginable. Dislike of conflict and criticism. If you've been through those relationships, you know, hey, you don't like conflict. You don't like criticism. It doesn't mean that, you know, you're weak or submissive or anything like that. It just means, hey, I don't want to have and engage with that type of conflict on a day-to-day basis with people in my life. Number eight, optimism. A lot of times people can end up being optimistic whenever life ends up finally getting into the place where they're healing and where they're happy, where they're healthy. And they start to understand, hey, what's actually going on in their life and how they can take control of their life moving forward. Forgiving. A lot of times people have a hard time forgiving themselves. But once they understand the whole process, once they understand the grooming process that they were put through and the abuse that they were put through, they become even more forgiving people, not just of themselves, but of the people around them that are struggling at the same time. Number 10, always strive to see the good in others. The book says here they protect their own good nature and conscious, um, they project their own good nature and conscious onto others, mostly because they want an errant good in all people. Although part of recovery is learning to recognize people who, who, for who they actually are, whether those qualities be positive or negative, expecting the best in others actually makes normal, empathetic people to be their best. Number 11, naturally understand the insecurities of others. Another thing you won't see in a narcissist is they don't understand what's actually going on. But as you get in touch with you, with your feelings, with your emotions, you start to realize, hey, I understand my insecurities, and now I can actually start to understand what's going on in other people's lives as well. Strive for a win-win situation. Conflict is inevitable when it comes to relationships, family, and work. But empathetic people are naturally prone to seek out solutions that leave other people feeling happy. They want to have a solution that helps both people versus one person only getting that supply. Number 13, understand and appreciate others' need for space. 
Oftentimes, an empathetic person and a survivor can understand, hey, this person actually needs space and they're able to back off. You don't see that when it comes to narcissistic or controlling personalities. Flexible and easygoing. They can adapt to almost any situation, especially if it's for someone they care about. They're willing to sacrifice their needs or adapt to whatever situation is going on because they have either feelings for someone or they care about them on a different level. Focus on the positive. They see the best in others and in situations, emphasizing the good and not getting bogged down in the negative details. Number 16, unusual level respect and loyalty for their partners. Whenever they get out of these relationships and they've survived and they've got to a place where they're engaged with a new partner, they have this level of respect and loyalty when that person is actually putting in the work, when they're not abusing them, when they're not being narcissistic, and they have a strong level of respect. Associate sex with emotions, not purely a physical act. They learn to change that mindset, that thought process of what the narcissist puts on them of, hey, this is just for me. This is just for my gratitude. Well, there's more involved there. Number 18, seek out lifelong partners. Going along with the above point, most survivors are on a quest to find a long-term romantic partner, not just dating and flings. Even in the early stages of relationships, they might be assessing various qualities in their partner to determine if things would work out in the future. Number 19, self-depreciating and humble. They don't feel any need to present as an inflated or impressive version of themselves because it's far easier to feel comfortable around modest people. And that's what they're looking for. Number 20, feel the greatest degree of happiness when making others happy. Survivors are driven by an innate desire to make others open up, laugh, and feel good about themselves. A simple smile from a stranger can boost their entire day. Number 21, warmly enthusiastic about animals and or children. Total respect and admiration for the inherent innocence in others. Number 22, justice-driven. Survivors tend to be truth-seekers who can't fully relax until they understand every experience that shapes them. Shrugging and saying, well, life just sucks, isn't a valid option. They're wanting to see the justice. They're wanting to learn that. Number 23, value opinions, ideas, and the beliefs of others. Oftentimes you'll see this because they want to make sure that they're valuing other people because their opinions often didn't get heard, didn't get valued. It's a good attribute to be able to look at other people of do they value other people's opinions. They might have hidden strengths. Number 24, surprisingly contrast between apparent submissiveness and actual strength, survivors have a deep resilience that sustains them. A lot of survivors are some of the strongest people out there. 25, hardworking and independent. They work hard in every aspect of life, whether it be at work, in the family, or helping with others on the forum. In fact, I never met so many motivated people in my life as I have on the website that they have, Psychopath Free. Nobody wants to be a victim or permanently suffer from the past. A lot of times you see people that they're working hard at their growth. They're working hard to be able to change themselves, be able to grow and to be able to get to that place of happy and healed. Number 26, good listening skills. A lot of people are always waiting for you to finish talking so they can start their own story. Survivors will spend hours listening to others and are able to empathize without relating everything back to themselves. Number 27, able to enjoy time alone. Not easily bored or seeking out constant thrills. This doesn't mean unadventurous. It means appreciating consistency and reliability in their core relationships. They don't need external stimulation every day in order to be happy. And they actually sometimes require time on their own to recharge. Number 28, polite to complete strangers. A lot of times you'll see this difference between them and someone you meet or a narcissist that would not be polite because it's all about them. 
Number 29, connected with nature. Survivors enjoy time outside, getting in touch with the world around them. Respect trees, animals, flowers, plants, and everything else Mother Nature has to offer. Uplifted by a sunny day and awestruck by the power of thunderstorms. Connecting just with things around them. A lot of times it's reconnecting that helps on the healing process. And number 30, lifelong quest for harmony, peace, and love. Now it says here in the book, every survivor I've ever encountered is on their own path to freedom. However, however they choose to accomplish this, I will always have the utmost admiration and respect for their resiliency and their drive to turn darkness into light. This, in my opinion, is the most magical of all human qualities. Being able to come out of the darkness and being able to learn and grow. Being able to change who you are. As you're coming out of this relationship, as you're coming out of this shit that you've been going through, know that there is healing. There is the opportunity to be healed, to be happy, to be healthy, and to live a life that's better than what you've been put through. The craziness, the the feelings of, of what is going on are normal based on everything that's been put on you. But you do have an opportunity to grow, to heal, and to change. You can do that by getting help, by getting coaching, by getting into therapy, anything that's going to help you take that next step of healing, growth, and change. Hope you take that. Hey, I hope you've enjoyed these episodes. I love interacting with different people. If you're interested, reach out to me sometime through my website, Raw Motivations. Would love to interact with you. Either send us a message there, uh, schedule one-on-one so I can talk to you, try to work with you through whatever whatever you're going through on life. You know, whether that's a relationship, uh, narcissism, uh, whether that's just life trying to get from one step to the other and trying to figure out how do I break out of this mind fog of what's going on. Would love to talk to you more. We'd love to see you guys reach out and comment and like on different things. We've got Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. We'd love to see interactions there. And as you're listening to this, like go ahead and rate us. Give us a couple of ratings just to help promote this message to other people so other people can have positivity in their lives as we're trying to grow, change, and help other people find that awareness as well.